Father, it is truly our prayer this morning that we would be that sanctuary. Uh, We know biblically that we are indwelt with your Holy Spirit, that the Spirit is the seal until the day of redemption. And so, Father, may we live in light of that. May we be uh, tender in heart and mind to the things that the Spirit guides us in, as he guides us in all truth, all knowledge of who you are, that brings the scriptures alive. Uh, so that we can see uh, what you want us to know about who you are, who we are, and how we should live uh, in this world today. Uh, There's nothing that your word does not speak to. And so, Father, as we uh, see the command uh, to walk in love, uh, and as we speak to the aromas that are sweet to your nostrils, uh, that we could walk away this morning realizing there's things that please you, Uh, that we can do as believers by the power of the Spirit that indwells us. Uh, And so, Father, um, may those truths not be just words on a page, but be part of who we are today. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. The title of today's sermon is Sweet Aromas to God. And I want to begin by just asking you a question and ask you if you've ever taken the time to uh, contemplate the role that the sense of smell plays in everyday life. Um, Because, you know, we we engage the world in which we live and uh, we engage it in such a way that there are many things that come into play, whether they're things that engage our mind or our senses Um, All that we are, everything that God made us to be, is for the uh, purpose of engaging the world in which he's made. Uh, And one of those is in relation to the sense of smell. Um, As you know, um, two years ago, I came down with COVID and was down for almost two months. Uh, And one of the things that was probably the most frustrating thing was the side effect of what it did to my sense of smell and taste. Uh, And I love to eat food. I love pleasant aromas. uh, And everything smelled metallic. Everything tasted metallic. Uh, And it took a long time. And even to this day, there are things that still do not taste the same. Uh, I know what they should taste like uh, because I've indulged in those things uh, time and time again. But uh, that changed how I uh, was able to smell and, and affected my taste overall. But when you think about it, there are all kinds of aromas that uh, can come into our olfactory senses at any given day. Uh, And, you know, when I think of things that are probably at the top of my list of pleasing aromas, you know, the first one that comes to mind is bacon. And I think it's kind of a common thing, even if you don't like meat, the smell of bacon cooking, there's just something about it. Um, you know, another thing that I enjoy uh, the aroma of is, is actually grilling meat and then eating grilled meat. Uh, and, you know, as you think about it, and maybe that's not for you, maybe it's not meat, but if you think about the, the favorite food that you like, all of a sudden when you start thinking about it, start craving it, it makes your mouth water. Um, it, it, it starts to engage your, your, your mind in relation to the last time you enjoyed that thing. Uh, And so it has an effect on us in our totality as beings because we connect on multiple levels uh, with that. Uh, Another place that I love that uh, really, uh, you know, uh, fills my my senses with, uh, you know, beautiful aromas is the ocean. 
Uh, I love being down at the, the shore, being able to smell the salt air, um, being able to smell the sand and everything that the, the sea uh, has to offer. Um, I love orange peel uh, as it's, uh, you know, as you open up an orange to eat it. And it seems as though the orange peel always smells wonderful, even if the orange inside doesn't taste so good. Um, and then the last thing is, is that, you know, as a carpenter, one of the things that I enjoy is the aroma that comes off of freshly cut or milled lumber. Uh, and each, each, you know, wood has a different, you know, aroma, uh, and they are all beautiful uh, to the senses. Um, and I don't know what your top five are, but as you think about those things that are pleasing to you, uh, they are all things that affect who you are. Uh, you engage with them, uh, and they have a profound effect on who you are. But the same thing can be said about the other side of that coin is that of foul aromas, uh, things that just, you know, make you, you know, want to hold your nose uh, and not be able to, you know, smell it, let alone taste it. Uh, you know, it's pretty bad when you can taste uh, Ellington. Uh, <laughs> that is never going to go away, by the way. Um, but rotten food, vomit, it doesn't matter if it's human vomit or pet vomit or, you know, your, your, your own uh, children, there's just something about it. Rotting flesh, bad breath, my own body odor. You know, they all are not pleasing aromas. So a lot of times we, we call them odors or something that's nasty to smell. Um, it's not something that we're going to go and say, hey, I really want to smell that today. Um, sometimes you don't have a choice. Uh, but anyway, it does affect those aromas, whether they're pleasing or foul, have an effect on you. Uh, and I don't know if you realize this or not, but there are certain aromas that affect God. Okay, there are aromas that are pleasing to God, sweet aromas. And we're going to take a look at three of those today. Um, but also, too, on the flip side of that, you know, is the fact that there is an aroma that is not pleasing to God. And that aroma is sin. No matter what it looks like, no matter, you know, how much you've dabbled in it, whether it's your first time or you've, you keep coming back to that particular sin, you can know without a shadow of a doubt that sin is not a pleasing aroma in the nostrils of God. But there are three that are sweet that I'd like to take a look at this morning, that two of which come out of our text, and another one, a third one, that'll be coming out of 2 Corinthians chapter 2 uh, as we take a look. And so let's go ahead and begin there um, in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 2. Um, as you know, the context here, as we took a look last time, is that we are to be imitators of God as beloved children, um, you know, and be um, all that the Spirit of God, as He indwells us and guides us in all truth, as we put to death the old self and live in light of the new self, all of those things we are supposed to mimic, imitate, emulate who God is, because that's who our Father is now. Um, we're not under the prince of the power of the air any longer. Um, God the Father is our Father, and we should live like that. And so Paul goes on to say, after saying, be imitators of God as beloved children, he says, and walk in love, as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. So the first sweet aroma that I'm going to share with you this morning, something that is a sweet aroma to God's nostrils, and we do know that God is spirit, so when we say nostrils, we're you know, helping to, to better identify and connect with what we smell that comes in through our nostrils. 
Um, but it, one of the things that is a sweet aroma to God is when his beloved children are walking in love. Um, it says, and walk in love. Well, this idea of walking uh, is not something that is, is unfamiliar to us. Um, you know, we walk to and fro. You walked into this building this morning. Uh, you, you walked around your house as you prepared to get ready to come here to church this morning. Uh, and there are all kinds of different activities, uh, and one in particular is an outdoor recreational activity called geocaching, where people get, you know, use their phones to find a GPS coordinate to go find a cache that someone else has put at that particular coordinate. Uh, and it's actually something that has gained quite a bit of popularity. Uh, these geocaches are actually uh, hidden in 196 different countries worldwide. 196 countries, and is on all seven continents, even Antarctica, if you ever desire to want to go and play the game and actually go there, uh, and one, or at least one, in outer space. So I don't know if you'll ever get to that one or not. Um, but last year, there was 83,720,498 fine logs. So in other words, that many people found those geocaches. Uh, and were able to see what someone had put there uh, for them to share with someone else. Now, I'm certain that there probably are some geocaches that are not worth the time and others that will surprise you. Um, but they all involve a journey. They all you know, involve a start point and an end point. Uh, and every human being on this planet is walking towards something even when they're walking away from something. Uh, the thing is, is that we are constantly moving towards something. And as believers, we need to understand as we take a look at this through a scriptural uh, set of eyes, is that we are actually on a journey that will end in the greatest cash ever. This is not something that man has hoarded away. This is a cash that belongs to the creator God of all, where he has, through his son, shared with us something beautiful something wonderful where, you know, those that were once dead in their trespasses and sins have been made alive in Christ, and there's a day coming where our faith will be made sight, that those whom God has justified, he will also glorify. Uh, and that is the, the, the greatest cash ever is to be able to be in the presence of God Almighty forever. Contemplate that for a minute. For things that were destroyed by sin, tainted by sin, have been made right because of Jesus Christ. And the thing is, we're walking towards that. And that journey begins at the moment of salvation. Okay, It's not something that we're waiting to walk towards it. We are in the process of walking towards it. Uh, Romans chapter 6, verse 4 says, "...we were buried therefore with him by baptism into death." In order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. See, there's something new there. This is not just a, you know, sprucing up of things. It is the fact that we've been reborn. It's new. And it's new each and every day, just like God's mercies are new every day. We read in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. 
See, that journey that we're on is not the journey of this world. It's not the journey of us living for our own selfish desires. It is a journey with a catch that ends with us being glorified and with God forever. In 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 4, it's, it's mentioned this way, that we are partakers of the divine nature now because we have the mind of Christ. We have been given life. We have a new heart or as it said in Ephesians chapter 1, we have been blessed with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. See, that's the journey towards which we're working. You know, by the grace of the Spirit and by the power of the Spirit within us. And if you look back in Ephesians, uh, it mentions walking repeatedly. If you look back at Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10, it says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works. Why? Uh, or say, which God prepared beforehand. Why? So that we would walk in them. If you look down at um, verse 1 of chapter 4, Paul says, I urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. Again, walking, forward progress, towards a goal, towards the greatest cash ever. Look at verse 17, same chapter. You must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. And then we're going to see in a, in a few weeks, Matthew, or yeah, Matthew, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 8. For at the one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. And in verse 15, look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise. See, we are on a different journey than what we began this life with when we were brought into this world. We were on a journey to nowhere. And now we're on a journey to the very best place ever because of what Christ has done for us. And this is nothing new. This is not just a New Testament concept uh, or truth. We can look into the Old Testament as well. Deuteronomy chapter 10, as God is speaking to Israel, it says, And now, Israel, what does the Lord your God require of you but to fear the Lord your God, to walk in all of his ways, to love him? to serve the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, and to keep the commandments and statutes of the Lord, which I am commanding you today for your good. See, everything pertaining to God, everything pertaining to his word is good for us because that is who our master is. That is who our father is, where he is you know, continuing to sanctify us, to make, him, make us more like him to be able to be perfect as our Heavenly Father is perfect practically. This love that is spoken of here, it says, and walk in love is uh, an unconditional love, unconditional in nature as well as practice, because this is a love that comes from God. It's not a love of this world. It's not a love from this world. It is a love from the God who showed us love. It's not just a good feeling doesn't make you warm and fuzzy inside and then is fleeting and is gone. There's nothing that can separate us from the love of God. And we're talked about being able to see the, the length, the height, the breadth, and the depth of God's love for us. See, the whole reason we can love is because God first loved us. It's something beautiful, something that we should not take for granted. It's being willing to selfishly give all of oneself for the sake of another. Because that's exactly what Jesus did. He gave himself for another. Not someone who deserved it, 
not someone who had some good within them. He gave himself to those who did not deserve the mercy of God, who did not deserve the grace of God or the love of God. And this love that we talk about, this agape love that we are called to love in and walk in, is one that doesn't differentiate between an unbeliever or a believer. We don't have a short list and say, well, I'm going to love these people unconditionally, and because these people don't know God, I'm I'm not going to love them unconditionally. See, the world needs to see unconditional love because they know what the love of this world looks like. It's all about me, myself, and I. It's not about thinking of others above yourself. To love somebody so much that you're willing to share a difficult truth with them because you love them. Because you know that the path that they're taking does not honor God, that it's not helpful for them, that it's going to end in emptiness and destruction. See, this love that's spoken of here will always lead to forgiveness and seeking reconciliation. No matter the frequency or the magnitude of the transgression. That's what it means when it's unconditional. Well, I'll forgive you if... No, you forgive because God in Christ forgave you. That's what we learned about there in verse 32. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. See, it is a sweet aroma to God's nostrils when we as his beloved children walk in love and show that love to a fallen world and show that love to our brothers and sisters in Christ and show that love in our marriage relationships and show that love to our children and to our children's children to every generation until God returns. There's a second sweet aroma to God and that comes out of the second half of verse 2 of chapter 5. Another sweet aroma to God in his nostrils is his beloved son's sacrifice. And walk in love as Christ loved us So again, our love is based, that love that we walk in is based in Christ's love for us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Now, as Paul pens this, and as much of his audience would have been Jewish, with Gentiles mixed in, you know, the whole idea of a fragrant aroma would have conjured up Uh, the whole sacrificial system of the Old Testament. Everything that they would have, you know, been even in when Jesus walked the earth, you know, fulfilling as they burnt offerings to the Lord. Over three dozen times in the Old Testament, it mentions that sacrifices offered to the Lord on an altar to him are a pleasing aroma. Something that pleases God because it shows that they are being obedient, that they are set apart to God, that they're totally devoted to God, that they see their sin as God sees their sin. You know, in Genesis chapter 8, when Noah had come off of the ark after the Lord, with a global flood, destroyed everyone but Noah and his family and the animals that he put on the ark. It says there in verse 20, Then Noah built an altar to the Lord and took some of every clean animal and some of every clean bird and offered burnt offerings on the altar. And when the Lord smelled the pleasing aroma, 
the Lord said in his heart, I will never again curse the ground because of man. For the intention of man's heart is evil from his youth. Neither will I ever again strike down every living creature as I have done. See, that, that aroma was pleasing because Noah's heart was right with God. Noah had a, a, a righteousness that came from God and, and was shown in a love to God as he built that altar, as he sacrificed those animals, as that blood was shed. It was a pleasing aroma to the nostrils of God. The thing we need to understand and see is that this, this aroma, the aroma itself, is actually um, not what is pleasing to God. It's what that aroma represents. Because there are sacrifices that are made uh, in relation to sin and trespass offerings, which the children of Israel were very much aware, aware of. But see, those are a constant reminder of a need for atonement and the vileness of sin before the holy God of all. And so the thing is, as we think about Christ, and as it says here, as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to who? To God. To God the Father, because salvation belongs to God. See, it was God's plan from before the very foundation of the world that his son would have to die because that would be the only way in which man could be made right with God. See, Christ's sacrifice was a fragrant, sweet aroma to God because his obedience was the ultimate evidence of godly love, a love that is unconditional, a love that is sacrificial, a love that is not deserved, but is given freely. See, the sin that Jesus took upon himself on the cross was the very sin that he put to death on the cross. See, when Jesus hung on the cross, he took my place. He was my substitute. He took every sin, even sins I have not even committed yet, and shed his blood to make payment, make atonement for God's wrath on my sin. Wrath that I deserve. That's why it's a sweet-smelling aroma in the nostrils of God the Father, because he knows that his holiness has been vindicated, that he is the just judge, has made things right through the sacrifice of his son, which he was pleased to crush. The sweet aroma of victory rose from his death, his burial, and subsequent resurrection, an aroma of love, grace, mercy, justice, righteousness, and an appeasement of God's wrath on sin. That is what filled the nostrils of God the Father. And that was all part of God's plan from before the foundation of the world, that this is what had to happen in order for you and I to be made right with God for you and I to come to the Father, for you and I to spend eternity and to enjoy the greatest cash ever was through Jesus Christ being that sacrifice, that final, perfect, once for all, eternal, substitutionary, and atoning sacrifice. It is a sweet aroma to God's nostrils when we, as his beloved children, walk in love 
as his beloved son sacrificed himself for our sins. And lastly, his beloved children spreading the fragrance of life. So turn over to 2 Corinthians chapter 2. Starting in verse 14. But thanks be to God, who in Christ always leads us in triumphal procession, and through us spreads the fragrance of the knowledge of him everywhere. For we are the aroma of Christ to God, among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. To the one a fragrance from death to death, to the other a fragrance from life to life. Who is sufficient for these things? For we are not like so many peddlers of God's word, but as men of sincerity, as commissioned by God, in the sight of God, we speak in Christ. The third sweet aroma to God is when we are spreading the fragrance of life. Because that fragrance of life is not a false hope. It is not just wishful thinking That fragrance of life is the very salvation which we have experienced and an aroma and a fragrance that the rest of the world needs to to have fill their nostrils. For some, it's going to be death, but for others, it's going to be life. And this whole triumphal procession would have been, you know, in the minds of the the people in the audience there of of conquering Rome, coming through the streets, celebrating, celebrating their victory over a foe. And there would have been incense burning and there would have been all kinds of pleasant aromas filling the atmosphere as they came in triumphant, as they led captives through the city. So for those that were captives, those aromas weren't that of life and victory and freedom. It was the complete opposite. And they would often actually execute the prisoners at the end of that procession. So there in that audience, you've got two distinct groups of people having the same fragrance filling their nostrils. But for one, it means victory and life. And to the other, it means defeat and death. And it says here in verse 14, But thanks be to God who in Christ always, always leads us in triumphal procession and through us spreads the fragrance of the knowledge of him everywhere. So there is not an instance at any point in time in your life where God in Christ is not going to lead you in victory. When you are living and spreading that fragrance of life, because Jesus Christ is the victor, he's already won the battle. And therefore, because of Christ, we stand in victory with him. For some, as we share the good news of Jesus Christ, as we live as those who have hope, that we see that we are at peace, that we can even roll with every punch that life can bring to us, that we walk in love as opposed to selfishness. For some, that is going to be a, a, a nostril full of beautiful blessing as they begin to have their eyes open to spiritual things and hear the gospel good news and trust in Jesus Christ. For others, it's going to be the, the, the smell of death 
because they are content to be enslaved to sin, that they, they have no desire for God whatsoever. And that's why for one is a fragrance from death to death and why for another it is a fragrance from life to life because we have an audience that is both those who are being saved as well as those who are perishing, dead in their trespasses and sins. And you'll notice he says, who is sufficient for these things? Who has the ability to save? God does. So the sufficiency that we have in being those that spread that fragrance of life is not in ourselves. It's in God. It's in Christ, the one who always leads us in triumphal procession. And you'll notice he says, we're not like so many that peddle the word of God. There are people out there that are peddling the word of God for their own personal benefit, for their own personal glory, and not for the glory of God alone. And he says, we're not like one of those. He says, we are men of sincerity, commissioned by God in the sight of God. We speak in Christ. And that should be each and every one of us as believers today. You don't have to be the Apostle Paul to say who is sufficient for these things. See, the one who makes us sufficient is the God who indwells us. The fragrance of life is God's to give. And we should trust him with the outcome. And remember that Christ is the victor. The victory has already been won. Yes, there are scrimmages. Yes, there are side battles. But the battle in, in its entirety has been won. Satan himself has been judged. His end is sure. There was a factory in northern France where lavender for use in perfumes was produced. Each evening as the workers would head for home and walk the streets of the little town, the whole village would be filled with the sweet aroma of lavender that had clung to the workers. See, that's how it should be with us. As we follow Christ, as we stay close to him, we will be the aroma of Christ to the world. Through us, he brings knowledge of Christ. Everywhere we go, people breathe in the exquisite fragrance. Because of Christ, we give a sweet scent rising to God, which is recognized by those on the way of salvation, an aroma redolent with life. So we don't know who's going to end up trusting Christ. We don't give up on anyone. We communicate the truth of uh, salvation to everyone, and we allow God to use that for his glory as Christ leads us in that triumphal procession. So how should this inform our lives today? Well, let me ask you a question. Actually, a few questions. What kind of aroma do you fill God's nostrils with? When you take a look at your life this past week, this past month, this past year, what defines you uh, in relation to what God sees, what God smells, what, what kind of, uh, what do you fill the air with? Is it life or death? Is it passion or apathy? Is it confidence or fear? Is it victory or defeat? See, the thing is, as believers and remembering who we are in Christ that we've been justified, we've been declared righteous by God, and we are waiting for our glorification, where we're with God forever. In the meantime, what does God see? Do we quench the Spirit? Do we suppress the Spirit and, 
give uh, an aroma of death to God, that we love sin more than him? Or do we live in light of the victory and the life that we have in Jesus Christ? Do we have a, a passion or a zeal for God so that when we live, we are not being just apathetic and we're not just coming to church to come to church, that we are spending time in preparation to, to worship God, to be a part of this, this victory that we have in Christ, to be excited about gathering together with other believers, to gather together with one voice and raise that, those voices to the glory of God. Do you have confidence in who you are in Christ Jesus or are you crippled by fear? Or do you see each and every day as just one more defeat after the next because you, you don't see Christ or God as sovereign over all? Remember, the victory has already been won. There's victory in Jesus. Second, are you walking in love? Are you able to forgive someone and show them a love that is sacrificial, a love that is unconditional, no matter what was done to you, no matter how horrible it is, remembering that you did horrible things, said horrible things, harbored hatred and evil in your heart. And that's the way you were when that fragrance of life came into your realm. Is Jesus' sacrifice a sweet aroma to you? Or are you just going through the motions of the Christian life, kind of floundering, not knowing what you're supposed to do, that you come week after week, See, the thing is, is that Christ's sacrifice should be something that, you know, pulls you in, helps you know who you are, to know that you are created in the image of God, but that image that was marred by sin is, has been corrected by the righteousness of Christ so that you positionally stand before God perfect as he is perfect and that you can trust him for the victory even as you live out the practical holiness each and every day. See, Christ's sacrifice should be a sweet aroma to you. When we celebrate communion, it should be something sweet. There's no other aroma like it. It's one of a kind. And last, are you spreading the fragrance of life? Who is sufficient for these things? No one in their own strength. But in Christ who always leads us in a triumphal procession. See, there's others that need to, to smell that fragrance, that need to know what life is in Christ. There's a sweet aroma to God when his beloved children are walking in love. His beloved son's sacrifice fills his nostrils with the love of God. And when we as his beloved children spread that fragrance of life, everything that we are because of Christ to a world that needs to, to see, but also experience that beautiful aroma. Would you bow with me for a closing word of prayer? 
Gracious Father, we thank you for your word this morning. Forgive us when we trust in our flesh more than we trust in your spirit. Lord, I pray for each one here this morning that you would truly help them to see the importance of your word in their lives each and every day. That they would see and understand and know the truth. The truth that, that sets them free ultimately for salvation, but also too to live the Christian life. We don't come to the Bible and, and tell you how things are. We come to the Bible to know how things are because you've told us. You've revealed it to us. And so your word should speak truth into our lives each and every day. And so as we think about this walking in love, Father, we know we can't do it on our own. You have to, to empower us to walk in that love and to show the love that is unconditional, sacrificial, that thinks of others above itself, because that is the very love that you showed us through your son, the very love that your son gave and was a sweet aroma to you. So, Father, empower each one of us in this coming week to, to be what we should be, to live in light of the victory that we have in Jesus. And we pray all these things in his name. Amen.